Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Bengal Tiger Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is Shay Dixon. Shay, it is February 27th. It's a leap year this year, so we have an extra day of February. But um, spring ball, spring football is on the horizon for LSU. And uh, we thought this week would be a good week to get our previews out. Uh, Today's going to be the offensive side of the ball. We're going to talk about, obviously, what they have coming back, all the changes, and our expectations, and uh, what we want to see during the spring, especially. So, um, yeah, that's what we're going to do. How are you doing today? I didn't. I'm just figuring out that it was a leap year. I didn't even realize that we're about to have 29 days here. Yeah. So, so what I do, I I write out like the months. I've gotten a lot better at that to to plan ahead and stuff like that. So I saw 29. You write down months. the months of what? I just, I just write down for my like planning purposes. Like I just write out like the you months. write like March comes after February and then like what do we're. Like you right no, now, like February one, two, three, four, five, six, down to twenty nine, and like every day, I have a whiteboard over there that I just use as a planner, basically. Did it? That's impressive. So you knew at the start of the month there were twenty nine days. You yeah, when I wrote out twenty yeah, when I wrote out twenty nine, I was like, oh, it's a. You said that looks a little funny, and yeah, then you Googled it exactly. to make sure. Exactly. Exactly. Maddie B's so, also battling some contact issues today. Yeah. Would you be blind I, without your contacts? I've never seen you wear glasses. Oh, yeah. No, I, my glasses are over there. Yeah, no, I, I'm pretty blind with them. I'm minus 3.25 for those who know what that is. Oh, um, put that into perspective for me. I can't read. Um, like, if you just took a medium step back from your computer, I couldn't read your computer. Because I know your computer is like, you know, that's that's how pretty bad like i wouldn't be able to read my computer and it's an arm distance away like the text is kind of small couldn't read that without context so all right, all right. Shout out to i'm just learning more about the the glasses contact game i've never worn them lucky <clears throat> lucky lucky um but yeah so lsu football spring preview obviously when we're doing offense today and then we'll do defense later in the week correct correct okay um and do you have the exact dates for spring ball off the top of your head? I could Google them. What does it start? March 8th or 5th? I was going to say March 7th, March 8th. Um, and then the, and then the spring game's like April 24th, 23rd, something like that. Yeah, I'm, I've got it right here. I can tell you the. you handle the month of February. I'll handle when these things get rolling in March. <laughs> it is, I'm going to guess the 5th. And April the spring 13th. game's early. It's like April 13th. Yeah, that is early. I don't know why I thought it was later. Hmm. Um, but okay. anyhow, okay, as that, as that pulls up, we're going to preview the offense, an offense that finished number one in college football ahead of Oregon, Oklahoma, Liberty. We'll be talking about Liberty on this podcast because LSU got one of their best players. And then Georgia, we're your top five offenses. Let me go to six. North Texas, number six offense. So, Maddie B, there's some extra love there. You got to watch the number one and six offenses all year. You also got to watch two bad defenses all year, but uh, we'll save that one for later in the week. Offense-wise, 2,700 yards, basically, rushing, 4,400 passing, over 7,000 total yards. That's 543 a game, and it led to a Heisman winner, and he won a lot of other awards as well. Uh, Malik Neighbors will get drafted in the top 10. Brian Thomas likely going first round. So Jaden Daniels probably number two overall. Maybe if he jumps Drake May now and is uh, Caleb Caleb Williams out of USD presumed by all the draft analysts to go one. I think that's where you have to start by laying all that. We're previewing a team that lost. I mean, you could do the math on the production that Daniel's neighbors and Thomas brought, but it was basically the entire offense. Yeah. Um, obviously 
the core and we'll talk about the the changes that they've made and we'll talk about what we expect to see this spring um but also the offensive coordinator change right mike denbrock uh going to notre dame um and you make the change there to add um to at least have joe sloan and cortez hankton as your co-offensive coordinators you bring in a tight ends coach and brian kelly's always been very hands-on on the offensive side of the ball the question, you know, we'll get into each position, but it's a lot of unproven talent in terms of, you know, we don't know exactly what Nussmeyer is. We don't know exactly how the receiver is going to step up and so on and so forth. Um, but do you want to start on the offensive coordinator front? Yeah, I mean, I was curious. I thought you might just start pouring right into no, the quarterback ahead. breakdown there. Is it – our fans are glossing over the OC change. Is it – that big of a deal. I don't want to discredit Mike Denbrock at all. I, I really like Mike Denbrock. I thought he called great games even when people were frustrated with him. Um, but it seems to me that the offensive philosophy, the playbook, all of that will remain largely the same. We were going to see a change in it regardless because you were going from Jaden Daniels, a true dual threat, to a pocket passer and Nussmeyer. So I think more about that than I do even Joe Sloan and Cortez Hankton in their roles. Like I trust they've been around football long enough. We saw Sloan call plays against Wisconsin. Like I think these guys are in a position and they're not on an Island. As you said, Brian Kelly spends a lot of time in offensive staff meetings. You've got a slew of analysts. You've got Frank Wilson. I mean, Brad Davis, these other guys on yeah. offense will certainly uh, Slade Nagel now is the tight ends coach who he's called plays before most recently at Tulane. Um, I think they've got that figured out. I think the thing I'm most curious of is how do they handle the adjustment from Jane to Nuss? And maybe it's a good thing or certainly is a good thing. doesn't hurt that your OC and play caller is the guy who was most hands-on with those two over the past two seasons. Yeah, I think, I think you laid it out well, because if Denbrock was still here, they would have had to, not overall, but they would have had to have some major tweaks to the offense because of how great Jaden Daniels was, right? Like Jaden Daniels was in a lot of ways over the past two years, he was the offense. The offense kind of came and went with him. If he had a bad game, the offense was going to have a bad game. If he had a great game, he was going to single-handedly elevate this team to to win. And now it was that it's probably Nussmeyer. more so the case his first, like he won the Heisman this past year. He probably won them more games the year yeah. prior. Exactly. So Jaden Daniels became the offense. And uh, I think Mike Denbrock did a great job designing it around him. I think he gave him a lot of freedom. And Jaden Daniels was also in his fifth year last year. Like this is a guy who's had five years of starting experience. And that is hard to, um, you know, replace. So if you're an, as an offensive coordinator, Joe Sloan and Cortez Hankton, you go into this offseason saying, all right, we need to now design an offense that is, I think, a little bit more hands on. We need it to be um, simple still for Garrett Nussmeyer, but it needs to obviously incorporate where we have a lot of uh, veteran offensive linemen. So we we have um, faith there. We have receivers that should be able to make plays. So we're not working with, all right, we just have a quarterback with a big arm. We are working with enough talent, but at the same time, it's going to be more about how you utilize that talent than last year because Jaden Daniels kind of just made everybody better. And you don't have that kind of super glue of Jane Daniels this year. I think Garrett Nussmeyer is going to be great, but Jane Daniels was a different caliber. Like he's a Heisman winner for a reason. He was that super glue that made everything just work at times. He, he just made something out of nothing time after time. And he could score touchdowns from 50 yards out on a broken play where he just juked out four guys and scored. Like you don't have that anymore. So as an offensive coordinator, how do you approach it? That's what I'm interested to see in the spring is what are they looking to do in the run game? What are they looking to do in explosive pass plays and, you know, like play action type stuff? How are they using the tight ends and all that? Everything kind of revolves around how Sloan and Hankton, how much they want to change and how hands-on they want to be with Nussmeyer. Yeah, and I think we'll – I tried to think back last night, like how much do we learn in spring ball and – I mean, I'll just name a couple of things. We could dig through all of them at some point and then be like, okay, yeah, spring ball is very important in the Kelly regime, you know, in terms of knowing what's to come. But you went out to every single practice last year. 
it was, and maybe I'm blending some of fall camp into this, but it was Malik neighbors tearing everybody apart. And that ended up being the case. It was Denver Harris running third team that ended up being the case. So I think we do see some things this spring that will tell us more about the offense, but maybe it's going to be more focused on, as you said, what does the run game look like? What did, you know, what does the offense look like? Because personnel wise, Minus the freshman and then C.J. Daniels out of Liberty. We'll talk about him with the receivers. Sloan, Hankton, this offensive staff, they know every one of these players. They were already on the team. They've been guys that have been in the mix. So I think that's one thing that certainly helps alleviate any kind of concerns or hiccups you might have transitioning from one OC to the next one is you promoted from within. A lot of guys are coming back, even though they weren't the main guys a year ago. They've been around long enough, and I think we probably start there at quarterback. What This is Nussmeier's – this will be his fourth year of college. He redshirted that first season, Kansas State game, when he didn't play and John Trey Kirkland did. And then he played two years under Daniels, so this would be behind Daniels, wow. right? is that true? His fourth year? Man, time flies. Well, wouldn't he have redshirted the Kansas State game – which yeah, was Brad, he was, he was there Brad Davis coached year. that game, but yeah. he, he redshirted or did not play so that he could take his redshirt. Now that's not even a rule anymore. He would have been able to play the game and it didn't count, but that's why John Trey started. So yeah, this will be year four. Point being, it's crazy. he's got one start. I think it was a great thing that that one start is his most recent one. He got the reins against Wisconsin. They played from behind. He faced a number like, a bowl game out away from Tiger Stadium, you know, your first start playing from behind, not having Malik neighbors there the whole game. Like it, there were things stacked up where he had to bounce back from or work through. And he throws for what nearly 400 yards. He had one pick and really, I think Brian Thomas kind of broke off his route on that one. And they just weren't on the same page and understandable given it had been Jaden out there all year, but the fact that he won that game is wow and played well, like made some really good throws for his first game, settled in again. I don't think like we have this gunslinger mentality or a label on him. I don't even think the pick was that bad of a pick on his end. Like I just think Brian Thomas broke off the route. He was so used to Jaden running that football Garrett scrambles and was still trying to throw it. And it's just a miscommunication. He's got a whole off season to get on one page with these guys. Like I feel like what we saw in the bowl game has now prevented us from sitting here and debating is Garrett Nussmeyer like the guy like that doesn't even seem to be a question going into spring football. Yeah, that that was my biggest concern of the bowl game was that Nussmeyer looked average or below average and the entire offseason would be all right. Well, they ended up bringing AJ Swan. So it'd been like, all right, is AJ Swan going to compete for this job? Is he going to be the starter? Um, yeah, that job based or that game basically discredited I think anybody who had a question of if Nussmeyer was going to be the guy, <clears throat> I always thought it'd be Nussmeyer. I and mean, we've talked about him now for three straight years. The arm talent is incredible. Um, I think the accuracy is at a high level as well. The decision-making is where he can get in trouble at times, but last year he attempted 78 passes and only had one interception, uh, the one in the bowl game. So it's, again, I think he's cleaned it up over the past couple of years. I think learning from Jane Daniels has been huge. And in this, in the spring, I'm interested to see, uh, like you said, in the bowl game, he didn't have neighbors the whole time. And, and, and Brian Thomas, a lot of it went to Kyron Lacey. A lot of it went to Chris Hilton. Um, I'm excited to see this spring, how he looks with those guys. And then also with, you know, the Camorian Pimpton, the Tredez Greens, the Aaron Andersons, like all the Xavier Thomases, all the other guys that kind of fit in, in the slot and in those other positions. So, um, you know, we're, we'll talk about the run game a little bit more, but I'm interested to see, I, I wrote about this, but could they use like the screen game a little bit more? Last year, I think they only used the screen game like 10, 11% of the time. They were one of the lowest in FBS. Like without Jane Daniels' legs, do you have to be more creative? Screen games, you know, explosive plays, you know, how do you how do you create those uh, opportunities to be balanced uh, with him at your as your quarterback? So all those things I'm, ex I'm excited to see um this spring but overall like his connection with Lacey Hilton um Daniels like those guys on the perimeter is what I think is going to be big 
Yeah, I don't think LSU fans are too concerned about like and look, the win total in Vegas sits at what, like nine, nine and a half, nine something and like half, that. So everyone is looking at this as a team that yes, you finished number one in the country in offense. You're going to naturally take a step back, but they aren't entering some like completely unknown territory. I think a lot of people view Nussmeyer as he's been the heir apparent so long that he's readied himself played in the bowl game, got the start, has seen some mop-up duty in games, have to have an SEC championship. He comes in and goes the rest of the way. So he's had moments already that typically backups don't. So I don't know. I just get the kind of feeling that people – we're not going to – I'm not, clip it later if if you must, and I'm wrong. I don't think we'll look back on this season and be like, man, Nussmeier just wasn't the guy and like we should have seen that in the offseason or like known yeah. that he didn't have the starts or any of that. Like I think he's completely confident and capable enough to run this offense in the SEC. I mean, I was on record last year, before last year, saying that I thought he could have started and been a top seven, top six SEC quarterback. And I still don't think that was like crazy to say, um, especially with like the way Joe Milton and guys played. Like I think he can go in and, and play at a high level this year. So um that's i think that was a good uh, wrap up on nussmeyer anything else on like the quarterback position you want to see this spring whether it's colin hurley or aj well, swan you, you mentioned aj swan he comes from vanderbilt he's got two years double digit starts he was starter for two years at vandy um that's and and it's not a knock on this is just how the portal works and works to your advantage that's an insurance policy right i mean yes it's competition but they weren't in the mix with any QB transfers who are wanting to be promised a starting job or anything like that. It was understood if you came to LSU, you Nussmeyer was here, you were going to compete with him. And for Swan, I think that's like about as good as they could have done in the portal. They were going to get nobody that was like, okay, unless you promise me I'm starting, I'm coming. So then you're past that group to get someone who's got SEC double digit SEC starts under his belt. I mean, just think if Nussmeyer gets banged up and goes out, Matty B, for a play, a series, a half, we saw it with Jaden Daniels before, you've got to put him in there. But this year, on the road at Bama, 10, 12 minutes left, Jaden gets hurt and doesn't come back in. Nuss goes into the game. If you don't have an A.J. Swan, you're putting Colin Hurley or Ricky Collins in there. Those are two guys who – Ricky Collins has played, what, a handful of snaps ever at the end of the yeah. Southern game or Grambling Hasn't game? Has thrown the ball, that's for sure. And yeah, and has not thrown the ball. So Colin Hurley is what just turned 17 years old. Um, this is, I don't think, a situation where you wanted to enter the year with only those two guys to back up. So AJ Swan from Vanderbilt gives you some insurance, gives you depth, gives you obviously someone to push Nussmeyer. I certainly think that is an added bonus there. And we'll get to see him ourselves. We've watched Vanderbilt play, but we'll see him in person. Uh, I was right. Beginning March 5th is the first day of spring ball, and the 13th of April is the spring game. So that about wraps up uh, QB, unless you have anything more. And as you noted, the four scholarship quarterbacks, they've got a commitment from Bryce Underwood, the number one overall prospect in America. It feels like quarterback, the room is is being handled well by uh, by Joe Sloan. Yeah, and, and the very last thing here, um, A.J. Swan is going into, it'll only be his third year. So we're talking about somebody who played his freshman and sophomore year. So in theory, like if he took a red shirt this year and what if, like, I think he's looking at his, all right, if I take a red shirt this year and Nussmeyer has a really good year and goes to the draft, like obviously LSU would still be in the portal, like looking for a quarterback potentially, but like, Hey, if I'm AJ Swan, like I potentially could start here in 25 or, you know, obviously we'll, we'll see what Bryce Underwood comes in and says about that. But like, you know, if you're AJ Swan, I think that's how he could potentially be looking at it. It's like, all right, I'm only a soft, like I'm only a junior this year. And I still yeah, and he's always one play away from being the starting quarterback at LSU, which yeah. is a pretty big deal. So yeah, we, uh, we'll get a look at all these guys in spring ball. Um, quickly, let's do an ad read. You know, the one, my perfect franchise. Um, look, We've been rocking with Andy Ludicky for two years now. Uh, the name and what he does is is in the title, uh, or what he does is in the name, I should say. Uh, he's a franchise owner, franchisee. He's been in the business for, uh, like I said, a couple of decades. Um, and as he always says, are you ready to leave the corporate rat race for the American dream, or is it a side hustle while you work a current job? Um, he wants to help everybody diversify, build wealth, maybe leave a legacy to your kids or whomever it might be. 
He's here to help with it as a franchise consultant. Uh, again, he's owned a number of franchises. He's helped out a ton of people on the Bengal Tiger already. One main reason, it's free to call him. So email, call at 404-973-9901, 404-973-9901, or Andy, A-N-D-Y, at myperfectfranchise.net is his email. Again, Andy at myperfectfranchise.net or 404-973-9901. Call them and just ask um, any you know questions you have. Maybe Google it first. Google around, look at his website, look at some things about franchisees or people who own franchises um, and think, okay, what's my time requirement, financial? What do I have available? What are my skill sets that I can bring to the table? And then give Andy a call and kind of talk it all out and and he'll tell you what's out there. Um, again, Andy at myperfectfranchise.net is how you get a hold of him. Matty B, um, running back. <clears throat> and we didn't talk about this in the quarterback thing. And I'll add to it. Nussmeyer was not sacked at all in the bowl game. He all, They also ran no plays for Nussmeyer to run the football. Mm-hmm. I do think we've heard it from Josh. We've heard it from a number of players that Nasmar can run the football if you want to. He's not Jaden Daniels, but he can pop some runs, whether it's a play breaks down and just gets you five or six yards, or if you want to call some of these RPOs where he knows how to read it, keep it, and he can get you six, seven, eight yards, get to the boundary, whatever it is. So I don't think they're losing that completely, but yes, you're going to an offense that, We'll need a running game. And I remember Matty B two years ago, we sat around in Kelly's first year and said there was no run. There were no run running backs like performing. There was no run game at the time. Mm-hmm. And then we just got so deep into the Jaden Daniels experiment that it no longer mattered. Like he would run for the most yards. He yeah. would win the games. And as long as you had Josh Williams or Noah Kane or, you know, one of these guys healthy, you'd be fine. And then you sprinkle in the younger guys. Now we're in a bit of a different situation, right? Daniels isn't going to bail you. Nussmeyer isn't going to bail you out of those situations like Daniels. This The running back room was huge. There was like nine of them on scholarship. I said it last summer. That would get cut in half by December. It did. Now there's four. Trey Holly, however, is currently not with the team. We'll see if he's with the team when spring ball begins. But following his arrest in North Louisiana, um, which turned himself in and was bailed out immediately, uh, but until that's figured out, he will not be with the team. Matty B, you're down to three scholarship running backs, and I'll add Caden Durham is one of them. He's a freshman out of Duncanville, speed demon on the track, one of the top 10 running backs in the country, signed in December, but he's still running track right now at Duncanville. So yeah. you're going into spring ball with Josh Williams, who's coming off of an injury, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, coming off yeah. of did he? Did he play in the bowl game? I can't. I guess he did. Well, Logan Logan Diggs got hurt in the bowl game. Logan Diggs, but um, I guess Williams was injured and came back. So yeah, but you've got Josh Williams, you've got Caden Durham, and you've only got one other guy at the moment on roster and with the team. And he's and he's certainly maybe the most promising, Caleb Jackson, who we got to see as a true freshman a year ago. Before we get into that's not enough or the portal or any of that, let's start with this. Caleb Jackson is the starting running back, yes or no? Yes. Yes. I, I think and, and maybe a starting running back here is defined by who gets the most touches by the end of the season. Yeah, I, I think that is Caleb Jackson. I think Caleb Jackson is the best running back on the team. We know this. Um, I think Josh Williams will be used situa- situationally. Um, and, and Josh Williams is a very good back. Like we know, or I, I, I don't even want to say very good. He's a very um like they're very comfortable giving him the ball. And I think there's a I lot think of he's very there. good. I think he yeah. remember two years ago, he was the only guy that would go out yes. there and give you three, four yards of carry at least. So yes. at this point in his career, too, he knows every assignment, which speaks to what you're saying. They trust him out there. Exactly. Exactly. So there's a comfort with Josh Williams that even if Caleb Jackson, you know, maybe can't do a or B extremely well. You have Josh Williams who can pick up a blitz or can catch out of the backfield or something like that. Uh, Caleb Jackson, though, is the running back that we've been waiting for LSU to have. I mean, since really Ty Davis Price, which was only like, what, three years ago, but still, um, like Caleb Jackson is that guy that should be playing on Sundays eventually. 
And um, we'll see this year. We saw flashes last year. But this spring, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they use Caleb Jackson, how much they give him the ball. And overall, like you said, the, the run schemes. Because last year, it, I, I know they, they had the, the jokes of Mike Denbrock's having like two run plays in his playbook. But you had Jaden Daniels, so it didn't matter. Will Hankton and Sloan, will they get creative? You know, how will they use running backs now that they don't have the fail safe of Jaden Daniels uh, running um, behind them? So, um, yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to in this spring. Uh, Jackson's going to be awesome. Josh Williams I, is going to be very good. And other than that, we wait for Holly and Durham to to see what happens there. So a year ago, um, Logan Diggs, who transferred to Ole Miss, uh, if we're speaking non-quarterback, non-Jaden Daniels, who Jaden carried it 135 times. Yeah. Diggs went over 100 uh, carries. He had 119. Josh Williams, less than half that, 55. Noah Kane, 37. Noah Kane's out of eligibility. So is John Emery, who only had 23 attempts. Caleb Jackson with 31. Holly with 11. So in theory, Jackson touched it three times, or I guess in math, touched it three times as often as Holly did. Uh, certainly played a lot more and was into games a lot more. Uh, I agree he would jump Williams and be the guy who probably finishes the year with the most. That's not like a big gap to make up uh, being at 55 and 37 touches, especially with how much more Williams played than Caleb Jackson. But are we seeing a situation? You mentioned Ty Davis Price. Ty Davis Price went for 200 carries two years, three years ago, you know, 2021, whatever it was. A year ago with Jaden. He nearly hits 200 carries. Nobody else on the team even got over 100. So in last year's offense, yes, it was the number one offense in the country. The quarterback and the running back both went over 100. Do we have two 100-carry guys? Is it just one who's like Caleb Jackson, 150-something carries, and everybody else is under 100? Well, like you said, last year, the last two years, the running back stats have been pushed down so significantly because Daniels does run the ball, did run the ball so much. Um, I think in a normal year, and I don't have the stats in front of me, but I think in a normal year, you would expect the running back group to account for what 260 yards or carries, you know, somewhere um, so in uh, 2021. Uh, Ty Davis Price, uh, 211 carries, Corey Kiner, uh, 79, so 80 carries okay. to that yeah. 290. Josh Williams had 23, that would put you right at 300. And then yeah. they sprinkled uh, 16 to Armani Goodwin. So call it 200 to 300 because they were nowhere close to that the year prior. Ty Davis had 104, Emory 75, Curry 45, uh, and Williams 22. Well, so that would be yeah. 225 or something. Yeah, I think three. Like if we say 300 over 13 games, that's 23 carries from running backs. That's not going to happen. So even if we just say it's – I don't know, 18 or something like that. Yeah, 250 um, maybe. 250, yeah, 250. How much does, like, Caleb Jackson and Josh Williams are really going to have to split that in a way. And I think that it'll be something like, if we just use those two, you know, it'll be something like, what, 125 and 75? Something like that. That gets you to 200, and then we'll see if Durham or Holly can can fill in the other 50. Something like that. That, that would be yeah. the breakdown in theory. Uh, in those years, guys like Chris Curry with 45, um, again, Corey Kiner hit 80 as a true freshman. I, I'm I'm curious what the mark will be for Durham. And I think maybe a lot of it will have to do with is Trey Holly available or not. And then what do they do here in the spring portal window with running back? Like, do you yeah. now feel that you need more than what you've got? Because four scholarship running backs, one of them being a true freshman, is – on the lower end of what most teams are going to carry. If you're down to three, that's almost not, you can't navigate with that. That's not sustainable. So we don't know who would hit the portal in the spring to know who they're going to get, but I guess both of us wouldn't be surprised, right? If they do take another running back. No, especially if Holly's situation isn't resolved in, I don't know the, the court dates. I don't know anything about that, but if it's not resolved in the next month, or so like I, I think that would be aggressive in, in the portal um, fairly quickly. But yeah, um, like I said, in the spring, I'm honestly more interested in like, I know it's practice. I know it's a spring, but like the run concepts or like how they're using Jackson and, and, um, and Williams, like that is what I'm interested to see in the spring specifically. And 
that's going to well, be interesting. And the spring too, you've been dealt this hand now. So how are you going to play it? I think it becomes giving Caleb Jackson as much experience as possible. Josh yeah. Williams knows how to do everything. He's what a fifth year senior, however many yeah. years he's been in college, but he's been playing since very early in his career. And as you said, he's very trusted out there on all three downs. He doesn't need spring ball. Like a guy like Caleb Jackson coming off of his freshman year, you want to see him take that that big leap into starter, three down back. You can be trusted to pass block, whatever it is. So I really think this spring, more reps for him, the better. Because in reality, he is your best running back on roster. Yeah. All right, what's next? Um, Let's see. We could uh, – oh, I skipped O-line. We could do this quickly, though. O-line – is easy. Why? Because Brad Davis is a great recruiter and developer, and they have four starters coming back. And this was a reason Lance Hurd is no longer on the team, transferred to Tennessee, because both their starting tackles in Emory Jones and Will Campbell are two of the top offensive tackles in America, both returning uh, as true juniors. They've been starting together since true freshmen. Then you've got Miles Frazier and Garrett Dellinger, the two guard spots. They've both been starting now together for more than a year, uh, this group of four went wire to wire last year. There had been times we've seen Brad Davis have to shuffle around the O-line early in seasons. That never happened with him a year ago, and now they're set up to bring back those same guys. We don't even have to get too deep in the weeds here. Will Campbell didn't even give up a sack last year. Um, yes, Jaden was the quarterback, but even in the bowl game, Nussmeyer did not get sacked. Uh, Emory Jones and Will Campbell are beasts. Emory Jones is going to stay at tackle. No need to slide him inside to guard because you've got two good ones in Dellinger and uh, and Miles Frazier, who, <clears throat> what, both of them have started at both guard spots. Both of them have gotten to start at tackle before. Yeah. Um, Dellinger probably got to start at center somewhere in there early in his career, I think. Uh, mm -hmm. But two very versatile guys who stayed healthy, got through the year, gives you four, and that makes the conversation only about center. And it feels like we've been that way for two years now, Matty B. We would keep having conversations about center, but it never – it was always Charles Turner. He kept winning the job and winning the job and winning the job, and he never let it go. He's gone now. He's headed to the NFL draft. The heir apparent is DJ Chester. Your thoughts on Chester as a guy who they were able to redshirt as a true freshman, but remember – when Charles Turner got hurt at Missouri, they were losing that game in the fourth quarter. Martinez comes in, has some bad snaps. They didn't hesitate. They threw a true freshman in at center, and he was right on the money, and it was good enough snaps to get him through, good enough blocking to get him through, and they won that football game. So thoughts on um, maybe the O-line in general, but also Chester taking over as your new center. Yeah, I think a lot of LSU fans – um, we're ready for this. Um, and that wasn't a, a shot to, to Charles Turner because, like you said, Charles Turner kept winning the job. And so when but somebody – Remember, Matty B, remember two years ago, Charles Turner was part of that group when we were having a spring podcast where they were having to train center people to play center. Like he was yeah. part of that group, and he ultimately became the guy. Yeah. And one most improved player, you know, two years ago, I think he held it, held it down uh, last year. I think uh, a lot of – players talked about his ability to communicate at a high level they talked about his ability to make sure everybody's in the right position which is incredibly value from a uh, valuable from a center position um dj chester we can't forget how highly rated he was out of high school i think he was like my number three player in that class three or four like it was like heard uh womack and then it might have been chester right there so um we know how good dj chester is like this is a this is a guy that can play um, the number seven interior offensive lineman in his class, uh, number nine player out of Georgia, like that should tell you in itself how good he is. And like you said, for him to come in and for him to have the trust of Brad Davis from day one, I think speaks to his preparation and how physically ready he is. Now the question becomes, can he do not even all the things, but can he do 80% of the things that Charles Turner did with his head and with his mouth? You know, can he mentally see everything that Turner did? Can he speak to the veteran offensive linemen that are around him that need the instruction, that need to be like, hey, this is the protection we're in, this is what we're doing here, that make all the calls? That is what I'm interested to see this spring. And when we talk to players, we'll probably know more. 
but like how is he doing in that aspect you know is he is he picking up on the little intricacies that it takes to be an sec center because it's not just about snapping the ball and blocking which we know he can do well it's about everything else for him because i think once he figures that out i mean we could be looking at another all sec offensive lineman yeah i think uh you're right on the money there uh we know that he can play this was a guy too who not only highly ranked, but in Georgia as a senior, he had won state in the shot put, in the discus, like just some natural athleticism and strength to him. And so no surprise that he came in right away. And when we saw him in fall camp, not in Patrick, God, he looks great for a true freshman. Um, suit him up and he got out there, got some experience, still got to red shirt. So he's gotten his feet wet. Uh, I'm with you now. This spring will be about reps, uh, mental reps as much as physical out there across the 15 practices, but uh, people around the building seem to have a lot of faith in what he's going to be able to do. And Brad Davis, whether it's recruiting or coaching up the O-line has not uh, failed anyone yet here at LSU. It's been nothing but um, really solid production or the next guy's up. So I, I think they're in a much better position now than they were like having to replace a center to, like I said, then two years ago when we were like, Oh, Brad Davis is openly saying, I don't have a center, so I'm just going to like get six guys to learn how to snap, and eventually I'll focus down on one or two of them, and that's what they did. Yeah. Um, as far as depth goes, I think I only have – well, I think I have six players. That includes the three early enrollees. So Tyree Adams, Paul Mabanga, Bo Bordelon, and then early enrollees of Kyrie Lee, Cohen Eccles, and Joseph Cryer. Of those six, do any of those uh, that, that you're like really ex- – Interesting. Yeah, and then uh, McAnaoli, I guess, is going to move over and do a little yes. D-line, um, which um, Brian Kelly talked about, O-lineman moving over to D-line. We knew it wouldn't be a starter. He's one of your veteran backups. Um, and then I do want to say, look, borderline in person looks great. I'd like to see him this spring, like how he reps. But I've had numerous people around the building talk about Tyree Adams and yeah. that he looks really good. Uh, we don't get to see him because he's Will Campbell's backup at left tackle and Will Campbell never comes out. But there is some promise that guys are being developed here for when the time comes, which will be after this year, when you don't have this comfort level on the O-line because you're going to be replacing a lot of them because they go pro. Yeah, four-star guy Tyree Adams um, out of St. Aug. Um, I think I, I think we were pretty high on him just in general. We were. Um so yeah, Tyree Adams is a guy that we've. I mean, known he was before. nearly a top 100 player coming out of high school, so it's not a yeah. surprise. It's just easy to forget when your left tackle is Will Campbell, and he starts every game from true freshman on. Yeah, and he's six five, great frame. Um, gonna be interesting to see, but yeah, he is the one for me that I'm interested in watching. Be like, all right, can Tyree Adams? Like in theory, if something happens, you know, if someone goes down, knock on wood, and they. Even if it's not Campbell or Jones, if it's they have to move, you know, Jones inside or something like that, can Adams now be the guy? Because Hurd is gone. Can Adams be the guy that steps in and all right, boom, we're fine? Like that—that's what I'm interested to see this uh, this spring is how developed Tyree Adams is. And like you said, Bo Bordelon, I think is um, very capable as well as far as physically. And then Mabenga is—we knew Mabenga was going to be a a project, yeah, a project uh, out of high school. So. Yeah, so I think they're in a good spot. Um, okay, we got two more positions. Let's do let's do receiver. Let's do receiver. We can wrap up a tight end. Let's do receiver. Okay. Um, I'll I'll try to put into perspective, Maddie B, where I'm at. Uh, the quiz portion of the podcast is now currently up. Okay. How many? Well, we've talked about this before, so you probably get it. How many receivers on the number one offense in college football? LSU caught a pass last season. It was either four or five, and I'm trying to remember which one it was. Um, obviously, we know the big three: uh, Hilton, a- Anderson. Five. That's correct. Right? Five players. That that is a low number. It's crazy. Now, two it's guys crazy. dominated that possession or dominated that production among the five. So even. With a small number like five, it was really two of them that you leaned on the most. Um, Neighbors finishes with 89 catches, 1,569 yards, and 14 touchdowns. Uh, That was the most receiving yards in nearly 1,600 uh, by any receiver in college football. Brian Thomas 
over a thousand yards as well. 68 catches, 17 touchdowns that led all NCAA receivers. So you're losing 2000 yard catchers like this. I think this is what LSU fans will have to remember about this offense. It's very easy to say like you're losing a Heisman winner and that he was responsible for the passing yards here and all that. Thomas and Lacey, excuse me, Thomas and neighbors were just as big of a part of this piece because they're the ones who caught the ball and went out and put up a thousand yards. They're the ones who put up double digit touchdowns. And when you only had three other, you could take the three other guys who caught a pass last year. That includes Kyron Lacey who had way more production than Hilton and Aaron Anderson did and was relied on way more. You can combine all three of their catches, all their yards, all their touchdowns. They wouldn't even be combined to where Thomas was, let alone neighbors who's 600 yards ahead of that. It makes me realize how important, and I don't think people realize it yet and may take it for granted when the time comes, but how big the addition of CJ Daniels was out of Liberty because only two players hit the portal that were thousand yard receivers last year, Jamori Macklin out of North Texas. And now CJ Daniels out of Liberty Two of that both in top six offenses in the country, both that, or excuse me, two players who are thousand yard receivers and had double digit touchdowns. You had to be in yeah. both those Macklin. He went to Kentucky. Daniels goes to LSU. I think Kyron Lacey's wide receiver one. I just think that even as much as they needed help on defense, I've got to put CJ Daniels up there as one of the most important additions to this team in the off season. When you talk about next year. Yeah. Um, I think you laid it out. Well, Kyron Lacey. Um, I think we know what he is at this point and I think he's going to be a really, really good receiver next year. Uh, when he is, you know, the number one, number two receiver, whatever he is, um, I'm not concerned about his drops really. Uh, they were significantly less of a problem the second half of the year than the first half of the year. So I think he kind of locked in on that. I think he's going to be ready. I think this is like, this is why he came to LSU. This is everything he's done in his career is built up to this, this season. So him over spring, I expect him to be very good. I don't, you know, they are not going to replace neighbors and Thomas directly. Like this is not going to happen. You're not going to replace two. What they're now like top 15 pick top top 15 pick in the draft. Brian Thomas continues to move up. Like you're not going to directly replace that. Um, at least not not right now. And so Lacey, I think, is going to be very good. C.J. Daniels, I've said before, is the, the Brian Thomas um, replacement. Uh, he is very explosive. Uh, we did a whole podcast talking about him, and I, we've written about him and everything. So you can go check out our breakdown of his game. But, like, in the spring, it's going to be very much, all right, how do they use Lacey and Daniels on the boundaries? Can they – you know, are they going to just be vertical guys? Can they be medium guys? Like I said, are they going to throw a little bit more screen action, short game stuff? Um, those two are going to be the ones that I watch a lot. But then you get into, you know, people still love, obviously, Chris Hilton and his yeah. speed. And it is enamoring how fast he is. And we know that he had a great bowl game. He had um, three catches for, I think it was like 60 yards in the bowl game. Um, so can he break in? And, you know, how much can he be a factor in this offense this year? I think we saw it in the bowl game, right? We saw how much he can be a factor when neighbors left the boat, you know, when he was out there for every play. On that last drive, he had his man beat and Nuss sailed it out of bounds on him. Mm -hmm. They eventually drive down and score, and he makes a huge catch regardless. Uh, He and Lacey both. But there was one on the right sideline where he had his man beat. So I'm with you. That speed element – of Hill. I can see why people are fans of him. I know the staff's a fan of him. Like, I feel like, and we bring Xavion Thomas into this discussion because we're going from boundary guys to now slot. This balance of how do you use all of those guys and how often is it three wide receiver sets versus four? Because rotational, we'll see, but you would imagine, much like Neighbors and Thomas, that if the production's there, Lacey and CJ Daniels are probably not coming off the field very often. Mm-hmm. So like how, I don't know. How do you see it unfolding between Hilton bringing in Xavion Thomas, who will be your starting punt and kick returner, probably definitely yeah. your starting punt returner, but he's a guy who went over 500 yards in the sec last year. I mean, he was on the worst offense in the sec 
And his production was about what Kyron Lacey had. Granted, very different guys, but again, 500 yards, you know, that's what you'll get from him. Yeah, Xavier Thomas to me is at this moment without seeing a spring practice, without seeing anything is to like the, the starter in the slot. Um, I think I've, I've said it before. Xavier Thomas is the Malik neighbors replacement. CJ Daniels is the Brian Thomas replacement. And um, Xavier can kind of play out, out on the boundary, but I like him a lot more in the slot. I think he played 50, 50 last year um, at Mississippi state. So like, he's the one him and Aaron Anderson are, are my slots. And so then you work with Chris Hilton on the boundary um Shelton Sampson is a guy that I've said before I'm incredibly high on this is a big spring for him uh coming off a season where he had two just flat out drops um you know can you get over that mental hurdle and he's had however many months to get over the mental hurdle but um this is a big spring like if we're going in order of who it's biggest for I think like Shelton Sampson won and then it's probably like Steve Daniels and Lacey and then you kind of work from there but um, and then Aaron Anderson as well, right? This is a guy who was coming back from an injury, and we always talk about how we need to give guys like a full season after they've already rehabbed just to get their legs back. Can Aaron Anderson take that step forward um, for him in year three um, after an injury to be even better? Like the the receiver position is probably the one offensively where you we can learn the most about this offense in the spring. Yeah, I'm with you. And look, I feel like trajectory-wise, like C.J. Daniels going from Liberty to LSU as a 1,000-yard receiver, like up. Kyron Lacey, the fact just how he played, as you noted, drops become less of an issue, and neighbors and Thomas are no longer in the picture, stock up. Chris Hilton, I have in stock up. Like Now that he's finally healthy, he had just not been healthy for two years, two-plus years. Mm-hmm. Now that he's healthy, you're seeing that old Chris Hilton, the one that – breaks free for Zachary in the state title game and wins it for him and blows right by everyone. Like he's, he can take the top off a of defense much like Brian Thomas, except Hilton's probably a bit faster. We saw him score in the bowl game, got his foot down on a great play in the end zone. So I'm come up with some big catches stock up the two guys you mentioned. I think we're waiting to see. And Xavion Thomas is probably a stock up guy giving he second yeah. year. He puts up 500 yards of offense and wasn't really a receiver the year prior and done what done what he's done on in the return game. But Aaron Anderson and Shelton Sampson are the two for me. It's like, okay, we know you've got the talent. Now let's see kind of where you're at. Uh, and as you said, Sampson being where you're at after a year of just getting adjusted to college and Anderson a year after you kind of were battling multiple different injuries. So for me, those are two in the spring I'm, I'm really keeping a close eye on. Um, Kyle Parker's obviously still on roster. Kai Prion has kind of jumped back and forth between corner and receiver, and they lost Jalen Brown to the portal, um, a receiver out of Miami who, I mean, that was a guy they did. They liked Jalen Brown a lot. So I don't know if it stings in the sense that like they're going to lose any games over it, but certainly they lose a weapon in the receiver room, and it now makes it more paramount that guys like, whether it's Anderson or Sampson, step up. Yeah. And like you said, Kyle Parker is still is still there, and I we we're always fairly high on on Parker, and we we like his game. So we'll see how he looks in the spring as well. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, wrap it up. Tight, yeah, tight end. Uh, Mason Taylor, your two-year starter. Um, he's part of this that group of freshmen with Campbell and Emory Jones, and they've what started every game pretty much since true freshman. Yeah. They've been there together on the line blocking. Um, he's now mixed kind of everything into his game, or he's a bit of an all-around tight end. And we've said it a lot in the season, said it in a lot more in the bowl coverage that the tight end spot wasn't a spot that Jane Daniels like had to have, like, especially if not for any insurance or like check down purposes because Jane would just run it. 
my man Mason Taylor, Garrett Nussmar goes into the game. What did he have? Like 88 yards, a touchdown in yep. the yep. in the bowl game against Wisconsin. I mean, he had his best game of the year because they were using him. I think he immediately becomes a big presence for you again. And I'm finally ready to have this conversation about Camorian Pimpton. If he's going to be in the in the mix or not, uh, they signed another six, six and a half, 240 plus pounder in trade as green, the number two tight in America. He'll be on roster. But when you look at the team in spring ball, which is what we're doing right now, McGohan left. Mark Way, we know, is a blocker who was kind of their number two guy. But in the post, I guess, moving into what we presume is Mason Taylor's, maybe his final year, maybe six round four, we'll see. Is Pimpton ready? I'm I'm now going to allow you to have the conversation. What are we looking for out of Camorian and Pimpton this well, spring? Let's 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 take a half second. I I want to say this about Mason Taylor real quick because you laid it out well. But not only is this um, not only was the bowl game him being used more, but I do think last year he was injured for a lot of the year. Um, he talked about the ankle injury that kept bothering him, bothering him. So you give him you know three weeks off and he plays really well in the bowl game. I don't think that's a coincidence. At coming off of his freshman year, I thought Mason Taylor was a little, a little overrated going into his sophomore year. Like he was what second team all conference. Like he was like all this stuff. And I thought he was gonna be good, but like that was just a really big jump. This year, I think he's underrated going into like I think he's gonna be really, really good. Like I like you said, I think he could come out after this coming season for the NFL draft. Like I think he's gonna be that good. Um, so Mason Taylor is the one for me I feel great about for LSU. Um, I don't have any question. Like in the spring, I think he's going to be awesome when he's out there, but I don't need to see him much. Then now it turns into Camorian Pimpton. Like Pimpton is the one going into year two. You've had now a full year. You hadn't changed offensive coordinator, or you've changed coordinators, but you haven't changed the personnel really, right? Sloan and Hankton already know what Pimpton is. This is this now becomes a spring where how can we get Camorian Pimpton involved? That is one of the biggest storylines to me of this entire spring is how do we get Pimpton involved? Do we play him in the slot and just run those slot fades? Do we, you know, line him up single coverage like when we're on the five and just throw him a fade over there? Can we get him involved in actual offense? Um, is he ready to block anybody at this point? Like, can we, or is he strictly a slot guy or a receiver? This spring is a lot about Kamori and Pimpton and how they use him because I've been on, I think I've written about it more than anything. Pimpton and Green can determine this team, this offense's ceiling for this coming year. We know they they got good players already and stuff, but if you're able to unlock Pimpton and Green, this offense has the potential to like, yeah, you can be a top five offense again in the country. And that is something that would be obviously awesome. And I think Pimpton very well could like hold the keys to that if, if you're able to get like a good season out of it. I'm not even saying you have to be like, he doesn't have to be Brock Bowers or anything like that just have a solid season. I don't know exactly what that is, is that if that's, you know, what, 15, 20 catches for, I don't know, 200 yards and three, four touchdowns. Like, I think that would be a decent season for Pimpton. But, like, that's what this spring is to me, is, like, you have to unlock Pimpton in a way. Yeah, that would be a massive season. Um, okay. I don't think it's crazy to start ta- – and, look, we're talking about the number two tight end, or really three, I guess, if – um if you're counting Mark way, but he's out there really primarily as a blocker right now, we're talking kind of slot pass catchers with a guy like uh Pimpton and then green, obviously, but I don't think, I think it's fair to think, Oh, could they be an impact player way more so than a year ago? Because and not just because Pimpton was a freshman then, but you don't have Jaden anymore. You don't have Malik and Brian yeah. Thomas anymore. You don't have nine running backs to choose from. You're short on running backs. You've got two transfer receivers. Lacey's your presumed number one. You need Hilton to stay healthy. And yes, you've got Mason Taylor. And I think that almost benefits Pimpton in a way because it's not a, you know, they know what they have in Mason Taylor. And as you said, he can be an all conference type of guy. How can you sprinkle a guy like, Camorian Pimpton, or even if it's green into the mix, because I just feel like there's going to come a point this year where it's not all roses on offense, where you're having a little trouble moving the ball. Guys like that are total mismatches for linebackers. Like who's who guards them? Like who covers those guys that are six, six and a half, 
and have, I mean, Brian Kelly said Pimpton might have the best catch radius he's ever seen from a tight end. So yes, I do. I think that you're going to have a need to get them involved more than you did before, just because I don't think you'll have the production of the big three that you did a year ago. Yeah. I, the, the variety of the past game, like just speaking big picture here, which talks about Nussmeyer coordinators, all that stuff. Like the variety of the past game has to be a lot more than it was last year. Yes. And yes. Like last year it was, it was easy. If we're, if we're being honest, it was easy for Daniel's neighbors and Thomas. Like it, it felt like that Joe Burrow season, right? Where it, was it does. Just- well, it's, it's, yeah. It's no different than people in the NFL watching Burrow and chase and yeah. Uh, you know, whomever else, and, and they get into any Clyde edwards or Terrace Marshall Jefferson. games, I don't know. But just those two and being like, oh, uh, Jefferson, I said Chase. Uh, and being like, oh, it was unfair that those guys, like, who's ever stopped them? Well, nobody did. They won every single game. Had they not had the 100-and-something defense, who knows who would have stopped LSU. But the offense was number one. Daniels was the Heisman. So, yeah, it, it is like that. It is one of those things where it was easy because you have guys that are going to dot, like be great Sunday players, let alone Saturday players. Yeah. So that's what this becomes is how can you add variety to your past game um, if you're Joe Sloan and Cortez Hankton? And I think Pimpton and we'll see Green eventually. But yeah, Pimpton and Green are two guys that could be huge in the variety of your past game and where – you know what you have in Daniels and Hilton and the big plays. You know Xavier Thomas and Aaron Anderson are great slot guys. You have Mason Taylor at tight end. Cool. Pimpton and Green, like I said, I think they can significantly raise the ceiling of this offense uh, if they're unlocked, which I don't – you know, I'm not a coach. I obviously – I'm not going to sound like it's easy to just, oh, yeah, Pimpton's on the field. Let's just give him the ball. Like there's a lot of intricacies to it, but that's why you have the spring – and obviously the summer to kind of figure it out. So that's that's my biggest thing for tight end is how they look. And also, like, can – I mean, if we want to throw Mac Markway in there, he had the first – you know, I was it he had the first touchdown reception of any of the freshmen, which included Gohan and Pimpton. So um, maybe he continues to develop a bit. But um, he's a very good blocker, and that gets you on the field, and that opens the door for you to catch touchdown passes. You have to be on the field. So uh feel really good about the tight end position. We'll talk about Green more once he gets here, but um, yeah, that's a really good group um, of tight ends. We did it in under an hour here, Matty B. We've broken down every position on offense, including coordinators. We will do it again on defense, and we'll mix special teams in there. Uh, but defense is, uh, boy, I'll need to do some studying before we start that one. I can <laughs> this one I could do off the cuff. That one I'm gonna actually have to really think about. Yeah, uh, because especially, that's the side of the ball where boys yeah, and changes needed. Depth chart. The depth chart is on defense. Who knows what that looks like right now? So that's but, what makes yeah, it that's what fun to watch. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, we'll be back. Uh probably do that on Friday. So stay tuned for that. Um, but yeah, thank you all for joining us. Um you have any all aboard today? the Nuts bus, right? All aboard the Nuss bus. Oh, That's and he I, did. Uh, we I asked him that at the bowl game. I said, what does he think of the Nuss bus stuff? And he laughed and he tried to play it off. But then he said the Nuss bus stuff started when he was in high school at Marcus. So hmm. LSU fans don't be trying to take credit for this. He, he said this was Nuss bus was a thing in high school. Where's the merch, Nuss? That's what we need to know. A- Angel spoke- got Bayou Barbie going crazy. One track so. mind here, Maddie B. Focused on spring ball, not on NIL deals, not on merch. All good. Where is the Nussbus merge? Because that would sell out in a heartbeat. <laughs> Garrett put that out. I would imagine um, that among dads on the team, that Garrett's father being a longtime quarterback and then coach is like, nah, son, don't. You're not NILing anything. You need to focus on prepping for the game, focus on football, which. Yeah. We haven't seen us on the NIL front. It's been largely just focused on football. Yeah. Well, and somebody somebody reach out to us and be like, I'll do all the work and you'll get however much, you know, percentage. Donate to charity if we have to, but we need yeah, well, the I don't care. Bus we shirts. The, we need the, we need the shirts here. We need the Nuss bus shirts. But and are, is the official Nuss bus thing the one that's just so poorly done that's the like yellow school bus with his face as like a freshman <laughs> and just like pasted over it? I mean, you're the I, I mean, you're the that's the one that makes its rounds. I did not make that one, but that's 
when I see people sharing yeah. a Nussbus photo or meme or whatever, it's always the very poorly done one. I think that's what makes it, a, you know, even cooler. Yeah. It's like a meme. Yeah. It's like a pure meme. So, um, yeah. Hey, for those of y'all that have been on the Nussbus with me since, uh, heck, before even he had the interceptions against Southern, uh, if y'all remember freshman year, I believe it was his, no, it was, was it his freshman year or sophomore We've been retro hey. freshman. Was it? I think it might have been his very first year against Ole Miss, where he came in and slinged it around and was awesome in that game. I mean, I just—I'll never forget watching him next to Max Johnson in practice throw the ball, and I said, "Okay, one of these guys has an arm," and I won't—you know—you can figure out who that was. But uh, yeah, that's will be uh, Max Slander on this pod. I, I didn't say I didn't. You said the name. I didn't. I didn't say his name. I just said one of these guys has a little bit of pop to his throw, and it was a. Uh, it was Garrett Nussmeyer. So, well, yeah, Garrett can't throw it backwards, and Max could do that. That's true. With one of the more impressive incompletions I've ever seen. Uh, against was terrifying. I was in Houston. That was after the hurricane. Yeah, I was in Houston. I was like, this is my first LSU game. I was like, wow, he just threw it backwards. Okay. On purpose. On purpose. Fantastic. All right. Uh, that's all we got for y'all today. Hope y'all enjoyed the episode. Leave us a like, comment, share, and subscribe to the YouTube channel if you have not already. Bengal Tiger on three on all the socials. Uh, Shay Dixon, I'm Matthew Bruni, and uh, Billy and Bodies over on the site as well. So, yeah, give us a look over there. One dollar for the first month on Bengal Tiger. Um, yeah, basketball season, baseball season, all that stuff is heating up. So, yeah, check yeah. us out over there. Uh, we'll be back on Friday to talk to defense, and we will talk to y'all then. And shout out Max, I still love you, man. That was uh, no, it was just a little jab there at the end. And nobody's listening at 59 minutes to record it. So you're good. You're good. All right. Just max. Just max.